You are about to listen to a podcast that is intended for, well, not mature audiences, but certainly adult audiences. So parents, please take a moment to shuffle your kids out of the room or stop listening to it in front of them. We'll give you a moment. Okay, with that out of the way, let's get started with the broadcast. Hey there, and welcome to Words Between Friends, the podcast where we talk about English words, phrases, and expressions, but do so from a unique perspective, specifically a perspective devoid of any actual expertise or professional training. With me is my fellow word maven and frequent antagonist, hence the name of the podcast, Kurt Wolfram. Kurt, are you excited, enthused, downright Cory Bantic even about today's podcast? Uh, I'm sorry, Clive. It is Clive, right? <laughs> I didn't even introduce myself. You're right. I'm Malcolm Fleshner, the other, the the uh, the co-antagonist, the other, the interlocutor, uh, unmentioned as yet. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I've been uh, exercising all day, at, first with a, a thesaurus, and then with another book that I can't remember the name of, but it's, sure. it's something like thesaurus, but it's a different word. It'll come to you. Um, that's, uh, that's, I have difficulty remembering, oh, what is that word? What is that word? Ah, oh, yeah, articulate. That's the, that's the one I have difficulty with. But, uh, so, and can you also confirm for the listeners that you are not an expert in matters linguistic? And in fact, as far as you know, and I know, uh, you don't even know what we're going to talk about today. Um, is there a prize? <laughs> I just want to let people know what to expect and uh, to set that bar nice and low. But I did, I did want to point out that I, I was looking, I did use a thesaurus, as you, you referenced thesaurus earlier, and I discovered the word Corybantic, which I was not familiar with previously. And I, I thought we could start by educating, you know, the, most likely the listeners will not learn anything from us. It, it'd be very unlikely that they would learn anything. But in this case, there is a word that I want to share that would uh, most people probably are not familiar with. Uh, Corey Bantic means wild and frenzied, which is why I asked you if that was how you were feeling about the podcast. And uh, and it comes from Greek mythology. The Corey Bants uh, were uh, the armed and crested dancers who worshipped the Phrygian goddess Sybil with drumming and dancing. So I learned something already, and that's you know that. We're, so we're off to a, a, a great start in that regard for me. All right. So so the idea is what that uh, that we come up with phrases or words, uh, and then we try to seek you know the derivation of it. Is that the is that the idea? Mostly, it's like phrases that I've come across in the past week, and I'll I'll hear it or think of it and be like, now where did that come from? I wonder, and I'll try to guess what it might be, and then I look it up, and of course I'm wrong. Uh, so that's that's a part of it. I also have some sort of more uh, these are uh, bigger picture questions that I thought I'd ask you about words and word you and your own personal feelings about words and how you use them that I think might be interesting to discuss. And if you want, we can just get started with my my first example, which is a a, a phrase that or expression, I guess you'd you'd call it that I thought of uh, yesterday, and I was like, why do we say that? And you know, English is fully so that we got a million podcasts ahead of us if uh, if we're going to go through all the different bizarre and curious expressions that and I, I we all know and are intimately familiar with even if we don't know what their their derivation but that I feel terribly sorry for non-english non-native speakers trying to learn the english language and you have to explain to them what you know what is the you know letting the cat out of the bag and 
they're supposed to just know what that means. And people use that expression. They're looking around like, there's a cat, what, there's a bag. <laughs> the first one is uh, level best. The expression level best. I will do my level best. And okay. Do, do I get guesses as like multiple choice? Well, no, I, I'm not giving you, uh, but you can, you can tell me what, where you think that expression. Well, first of all, we should define it. What does level best mean in your perception? Why, what, what would, uh, well, you know, sure. You do, you give your best effort. You give your level best. You're straight and true kind well, of thing. Right. And so it, <laughs> the first thing that strikes me about level best, the expression is that it's unnecessary. <laughs> I'll do my level. Like, what is the difference between doing your level best and just doing your best? You know, that's, that it seems that they are the same, right? Mm, I guess I was drinking some smoothie, but I was doing my level best to do it. <laughs> well, maybe in your case, then the level best is not so great. Uh, but, <laughs> so this is a, an unnecessary expression that it just adds a word that does not add anything to the meaning particularly. But uh, so, okay. So what did you, uh, what did you? Okay. So, okay. So here's my guess because I've been in, in construction. So I've never thought about it. I mean, this is the fascinating thing about the subject is there's so many things you've never thought of. Like, you know, I've said skin of my teeth a thousand times and I never thought of it, but level best, I would say when you're out on the construction site and you're, and you're doing it, you put the bubble between the level there and, and you, and you get your best, meaning it's, it may be even with a level or scales or something, you know, like in the old days, they used to have scales they measure with the lady with that was blind and she's holding the two pans. That's gotta be an exhausting gig. Uh, and, and maybe you just say, that's the best I can do. That's like, my level yeah, best. The idea is in the old days, they had scales. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially yeah. scales entirely. Well, it, it wasn't so much that. It's that they used to blindfold women no. and make them hold them in public. Yeah, that's the only way you could dispense justice. Uh, but, okay, so that's um, the, that's a good guess. And I think there's you're on to something with level. No, it, it, it comes from... Uh, from uh, video games, when you level up in video games, <laughs> it's a very. See, now that's a. Is that a joke answer? Yes, that was my my joke answer because, of course, the the expression predates video games uh, by a matter of you know more than a hundred years. It turns out, and there was there is, they're actually not sure. So, uh, and, and I should also stipulate that uh, any information that is doled out on this show. Uh, it may be wholly inaccurate, and I have only culled from the internet, uh, an otherwise unimpeachable source of information. But the, the premise of this show is that yeah. not only would people get the information, but there might be some additional entertainment value. Well, we'll see about that, young man. Well, I mean, we're, we're doing our level best. Uh, <laughs> How about this? What about when they were weighing the witches? You know, remember they used to weigh the witch? Does that have something to do with it? That's... Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, uh, because uh -huh. the expression dates from the, the mid-19th century. Is, is that where the expression, uh, which way, comes from? <laughs> no, but, uh, but uh, chip witch comes from uh, <laughs> uh, when uh, you used to uh, throw chocolate chips at witches. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm all agog. What does, where does level best come from? And A, my last guess, it has something to do with water. <laughs> okay, that is approaching correct now as i said bear in mind we don't they're not 100 percent sure about this but there's mm -hmm. sort of a best guess it, it's an of an american origin and yeah. it comes from the mid 19th century and uh the 
the, yes, dates from the 19th century. And there are two theories about it. The first is just a general reference to being level as in straight and truthful, that that's sort of one is equivalent to the other. But mm -hmm. the more likely, uh, some believe, is that it derives from panning for gold, where in the, you know, the California gold rush, where you use a pan and you, a, a level pan gave the best chance of spotting gold. And uh, so then it uh, uh, became more popularized and uh, it only dates from the 1930s where people actually, uh, have, I think have written, you know, see it written down. It doesn't come until the 1930s, but they believe the expression dates to the mid 19th century. So there is some speculation that, or the, the dominant theory anyway, according to this one site that I went to, is yeah, yeah. that uh, that uh, it's that's how, how it came to be. Doing one's level best had to do with keeping your gold pan, you know, on an even keel. And there's another one. Do I get a point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you get and a gold star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, but have you ever done any gold uh, panning? Have you ever wanted to do any gold panning? Strike gold. Uh, I've never done. Well, I've done limited gold panning, and mm -hmm. most of the gold panning I've done was in sort of, you know, you go to, the, I live in California and we have these ghost towns that are turned into tourist traps. And one of the things you can do is pan for gold there. And typically what it, as a matter of fact, one of the places I've, I've done this is the city of paradise, which burned to the ground two years ago. Or, uh, and so that nobody's doing it there anymore. But uh, it, yeah, it, it, you know, they, they set these, these uh, giant troughs up and they put little bits of gold, flecks of gold in there, along with all the silt and sand and such and such. And then you take, they teach you how to pan, and you go and the you know, kids do it. And, uh, and you know, speaking of video games, the kids, they love it. They're like, this is so much better than World of Warcraft or Fortnite, panning for gold, just you know, gently <laughs> you know, digging up putting a, a handful of silt into a pan with some water, and then gently, slowly spinning it to get the water and the lighter silt out, just leaving the heavier gold. Oh, the kids for hours. I'm like, God, kids, stop it with the gold panning. We have to get home. Come on. Uh, yeah. you know, don't, you you know, try, don't you want to get on your phones? No, no. You know what you know, they like better is a, is a show from two middle-aged guys talking about the derivation of adverbs, you know, and the gerund clause. <laughs> Listen, I, I, have, I have not heard one complaint about our show yet. <laughs> I'm going to extrapolate from that that it is wild. So, so here's what I, I like about it. Here's what I like about, uh, uh, you know, owning uh, uh, Gulch City, you know, this uh, one of these uh, tourist towns there. And hopefully they come out and they have a they have a shoot them out contest with the guy, you know, wearing black and the sheriff. Right. And then they forget and they load one of the guns and the guy actually dies. I mean, that kind of thing you want to be there for. But the, the more important part is uh, every once in a while you'll read in the uh, thing of like the guy who finds the pearl and the oyster that's worth millions or the, or what, you know, the, you know, the guy at the antique road show that finds a, a Gauguin or something, or, uh, you know, and uh, uh, every once in a while you'll read about somebody panning for gold in one of these places and they actually find a big nugget. And if I, if I own one of those places with, with you, I'd be like, Hey, let's just, let's just throw a good size nugget in every four or five years. It's going to cost us, you know, 20, 30 grand, but boy, we'll get people coming in here. Sure. Yes. Uh, the, <laughs> it may cost us 20, uh, $20,000 to buy that, that nugget of gold. And, and we have to do it on the QT. I don't even know where you're buying a nugget of gold, but uh, <laughs> and, uh, and com. everybody <laughs> click the link and smash the button. Buy gold. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a great business idea. We can explore that off air. But the I have also done more traditional panning for gold. I think you know my kids have been involved in scouting, and I've been to scouting events here in California where there are still streams that have gold in them, and so the kids and adults sometimes go out and you just pan for gold, and it it's it but it isn't it is not that entertaining. And it was also the the lowest possible level of gold, you know, the, the so-called 49ers who went out and, uh, and, you know, panned for gold. Panning is the, you know, most of the, if you had any money, you weren't panning for gold. You were setting up these elaborate, you know, systems with, uh, of, you know, with water flowing through these chutes that you would fill and, uh, you know, it was elaborate and, but they cost money, but it wasn't, there was no, nobody was hand panning for things because that is labor intensive and the return is likely not high. So, I mean, the people who got rich on the gold rush typically were the people who were supplying the the gold, the, all the uh, the suckers who came out to, you know, the people who were paying or were selling the pans and selling the pickaxes and selling the tents like uh, Levi Strauss. The, uh, right. The, the, the people, yeah, the people who got rich are the people that sold the picks and axes to uh, Jeff Bezos, who then turned around, sold them to China and sold them back to you same day. That's how it all works. So uh, I've watched a number of these gold uh, videos and such, and uh, uh, you're right. It's not just uh, the, the panning is like low level, but you can still do it. And people go up there and pickaxe. And then the other methods are like sluice and then, like water jetting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then like uh, place mining. And then the, the last uh, method that I like the best uh, is I, th I think it's a barrack gold is going to do this. They're going to put thermonuclear uh, devices in the core of the earth and just blow it up. Sure. That, and then know, they, I mean, uh, they, they pick the gold right out of space. It's easy then. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, another method is just digging up uh, corpses and checking the teeth. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the point is there's a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did I get a point for that? How many points do I have? Uh, <laughs> this is, it reminds me of when I, uh, when I play ping pong with one of my sons, the other son <laughs> watches and awards points independent of what's going on in the game and like if i if i if i win the the, the point that we're playing he'd be like mm, that's minus 10 for you i'm like but i won it's like you know you know he, he gets very officious and yeah, like, yeah i didn't like your attitude don't, yeah don't push me and then when when i do lose the point it's like oh that's ten thousand points for my brother like, no, <laughs> aren't you supposed to be against each other your siblings remember sibling rivalry it's like no no just against dad yeah so you can you you uh please the as I mentioned, we, we call this show Words Between Friends because we are, you know, thinly or mildly antagonistic toward each other, despite being good friends. And I think if you continue to ask me for points or how many points you have accrued throughout the show, uh -huh. I will uh -huh. become increasingly frustrated and irritated. And, uh, and, and well, let's let's talk about that. I think that's the real issue. You get very easily irritated, I've noticed, especially uh, it doesn't take much. Just interrupting you constantly. I've noticed that does it. That's yeah, a... well, you know what? That actually can bring us to our next expression. And you may know this one. I don't know. I, 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 okay. was, I was unaware of uh, its derivation. Is, uh, is to, to be on tenterhooks. You are familiar with yes, this? Okay. Yes, I know this one because I've been involved in uh, uh, torture scenarios. <laughs> so so uh, what is your sense first of the, the definition of what does it mean to no, be? No, I mean, if this is for a family audience, I, I don't want to say what my, uh, I think that, I think the meaning is it's like walking on eggshells or something, right? You're, that's what I, that's what I think it means. 
walking on eggshells is sort of uh, one aspect of it, but it's more about being, you know, nervously anticipating something, you know, you're something bad, like something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's the nervous part. It's not like you're, you're nervously anticipating uh, having sex with someone that's, you know, or nervously expecting to win the lottery. (laughs) Is there any other way? Is there any (laughs) other way? So yeah, I think that it's implicit is in saying you know nervously expecting or waiting for something to happen is uh, so well I thought that it had that tenter hooks maybe it was like uh, meat hooks what we know as meat hooks but that is not what a, what tenter hooks are tenter hooks are specifically uh, and it's implicit in the the word tent or the you know the um, prefix tent uh, it's so uh, they you you would hang fabrics on these hooks to stretch them and dry them. Uh, and so, okay, a tenter hook is defined as a sharp hook nail used especially for fastening cloth on a tenter. Uh, and the hook, the tenter is something that makes tents or makes tent didn't used to just mean the tent that we know. It used to be more broadly defined term meaning a fabric. So, uh, 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 the, and the, the tenter is the frame on which the cloth is stretched to dry evenly often to prevent it from shrinking. And that's what the, the stretching is what informs or gives rise to the term being on tenter hooks is that you're, you're being, you're stretched. And then, you know, that implies nervousness, I guess, or it did to somebody and it caught on somehow. Uh, so, so let me ask you, where are you getting these words from? Some sort of, uh, uh, from, from some sort of 18th century folio? <laughs> 18th century folio was a great band. I think they played at my bar mitzvah. <laughs> Next, you're going to be like, now, where does this common term they're always talking about having the vapors? Now, where does that come from? <laughs> now, wait, are you implying that the expression on tenderhooks and the level best are not in your know, common parlance these days? First Ooh. of all, what's the word that you started this, uh, this, this uh, Titanic of a show on? What was it called? <laughs> I'm not sure whether you mean it's a giant show or it's a show that's rapidly <laughs> sinking. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going to kill virtually everyone associated with it. Uh, Cory Bantic. It was Cory Bantic, meaning, you know, dancing excitedly. Wasn't Cory Bantic in the 80s in a bunch of movies like Goonies and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he the stunt double for those guys? Okay, fair enough. Okay, when are you going to get to something that, you know, we've heard about in this century? What do you got next? Do I get a point, by the way? <laughs> Uh, well, and uh, to clarify, I think I mentioned that I, it's not like I went and searched like, you know, word origins and just so I came up. I'm only, these only occurred to me to talk about because I either said them or I read them somewhere. And okay. you know, it, I'm, it's not like I was just reading, exclusively reading Dickens, you know, or the, this is, it's contemporary. These are contemporary terms. Uh, so, all uh, right. And, just, and, just tell me. Just, okay. Another contemporary term is uh, go fuck yourself. That's a contemporary <laughs> term. Well, I guess you just answered the NSWF question again, you son of a bitch. Uh, but okay. Well, if you if you're if you're done with tenter hooks. Uh, yeah, I was done before we started. But go ahead. What do you got next? Well, so I'll just finish up. So, being, so uh, this is from Merriam-Webster. I got this one. It says being stretched. Of course, leaves fabric very tense as one's muscles are when one is feeling stressed or uneasy. And so mm-hmm. to be on tenter hooks is to be similarly tense as one waits in suspense. And that seems to me, and I uh, pardon the pun, I didn't even intend it, but it seems something of a stretch. <laughs> to go from like who, I, the, this term would become so ubiquitous and coming from such a, a very specific, you know, there, there's a lot of terms in the English language that come, like I said earlier, being on an even keel, 
from uh, you know the, the the nautical world and there were lots of people who were involved in sailing and they traveled a lot and so it makes sense why these words would you know enter into the the you know the language but how the the the, <laughs> the profession of fabric stretching you know and the very specific aspect of it of stretching fabric on tenter hooks would come to mean Oh, I mean, I'd be interested, and we'll never know, but there's no way of knowing it. But how that, you know, is that, were there a lot of phrases that came to us via this source, much like, you know, there are from, uh, you know, like uh, cards, playing, playing cards. There's also a lot of expressions that come from playing cards and sports, obviously. But, uh, but the, the, the fabric business, who knew? So can I do one now? You, I mean, but do you, if you have something to offer to- Yes, yes, um, I, of course I have something to offer. The, you, you, you've gone on show. for about 15 years how we're going to do a show one day. And so, of course, I came prepared. Okay, <laughs> so here's my- uh, I, I'm sorry, I thought that the whole premise of all of our shows was that you refused to prepare in any way. So Listen, we, man. Listen, you know, the, the, first, uh, the first rule of uh, is okay. All right, so- <laughs> So we actually, uh, you're, you're, the, what I, I would like to say briefly is that you, uh, so what you're doing is you're throwing a curveball here, metaphorically, and that's another expression that I love because it, it you know, it, it means doing something unexpected. And I love the idea that throwing a curveball, like you know, the, the batter goes back to the dugout, like yeah, struck out again. Coach, like what happened? He's like, he really threw me a curveball, you know, <laughs> like like <laughs> that. that, that <laughs> All right, so uh, so here's the one I have, which is called uh, "It's piss poor." I was thinking about where this, uh, you know, being piss poor comes from, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I looked it up, and it said that uh, it goes all the way back to the Romans uh, because they used to actually collect urine for that uh, uh, because it used to be used in uh, in leather tanning in all stages of uh, um, of tanning was urine. As a matter of fact, the Romans actually collected collected it and uh, even put a tax on it. And uh, Vespasian in the first century AD actually uh, did it. And you can still use urine these days for a variety of things. Uh, I use it for obviously cosmetics and hair growth. Uh, and you can use it for a lot of different things. And uh, so that was what the beginning is. But then as I did more research, it turns out that's not true at all because it didn't start being coming to uh, to thing until like 1940. But this gets back to this, this whole piss poor notion on the Romans that people will come up with concoct these plausible sounding origins for sure. yeah. and okay is a perfect example there's like dozens of them and there, none of them were true except for this this one that nobody was talking about it until somebody researched it but like one is uh okay like a-u-x space c-a-y-e-s or something like that that uh, in, which means from K, meaning this, this port town in France or something, and people suggest, oh, it, and it's nothing to do with that, but it sound, sounds remotely plausible. And if you say it authoritatively enough, people are like, oh, okay, sure. But Well, I've, I've made a career of saying things authoritatively enough. Now, remember, folks, so hit the button down there, and that money will just come out of your account every month. Don't worry about it. Whenever you don't want it to, just call our customer service line at 1-800-323-465. <laughs> yeah, Sandy, we're going to need your mother's maiden name, your uh, the the your social security number, your <laughs> your their first childhood pet, and the street you grew up on. But what I want to know about piss poor is like yeah. wherever you looked it up, and they said it had this Rome this Roman origin. A just because they collected urine and it was a valuable resource for tanning or whatever, whether it was or it wasn't, 
how would that relate to the term piss poor? That would seem like well, it's, well, it's it was, valuable. Like I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, piss rich. rich. Yeah, no, see, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like what makes you poor? Because I know this expression, he only has a pot to piss in, or right. he doesn't have a pot doesn't, to piss in, which, which seems even more tragic. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, think about poor Bill out there. You're like, Bill, what do you got? Uh, nothing. You got a pot? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because no, no, wait a minute. The expression is that not that he doesn't have a pot, yeah. it's that he doesn't specifically have a pot. He may have myriad pots. Yeah. But uh-huh. He just doesn't have the key pot necessary for, or at least designated for pissing in. So, okay. So, how would that relate being, you know, urine is valuable? Why piss poor? Right. So, so it turns out that was a red herring. Ha. So, yeah. we can we discuss that in the 15th show. <laughs> uh, they believe it actually comes from the 40s. Another guy, uh, Philippe Beauclair, says uh, the, his, he's talking about Ezra Pound, I guess. He says, uh, it was very funny, very beautiful, and very sad. The grace of an angel, the precision of a geometer, you know, those geometers, and the short-sighted, intolerant, piss-poor ideas of a provincial buffoon. He's critiquing Pound, as, you know, he's offering his uh, observations on Ezra Pound himself as a person. I don't know what this this Eau Claire guy had his issue uh, with Ezra Pound, but yeah. uh, Ezra Pound was a you know he's a very famous poet, uh, and uh, not that I I won't bore you by reciting some of his poems right now <laughs> that, that you know off the top of your head. But, well, yeah. th- th- this this brings us, if I may, to another uh, thing that uh, that always bothers me when when people mention stuff like Ezra Pound or uh-huh. whoever or sure. or Kyle McKinnon. You know Kyle McKinnon, right? No, I don't. Oh, Kyle McKinnon. Oh, really? Really? You don't know Kyle McKinnon? Oh, so he's you, be, you just made up the name. He's got to be one of the top 10 or 20 xylophonists in North America. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> so <laughs> you, you don't like the... the They're just dressing up. Specifically the dropping of names and the presumption that you're that everyone is supposed to know this, even though it's preposterous to think that people would know who the top, the, the 10th biggest xylophonist in the country, or geometer maybe. He's the top, he's a, he's a top 10 geometer. So does this happen to you a lot that people will drop the names of you know, people who are supposed to be well known or renowned in some regard? And no, I, I'm a I'm a white guy, the 21st century, and I'm old and I'm easily offended about stuff. That only happened to me once in 1989. <laughs> Do I get any points for knowing who Ezra Pound is? Then I mean, does the the flip? Side? I just figured this is uh, basically your idea and your show. You can probably start with like a million points, and I start with like negative six million. And uh, my only hope is that your son becomes the arbiter. Yeah, if not, if he comes in, I gotta, I gotta lock the door. So <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep all my points. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Ezra Pound also invented the pound cake. <laughs> and the recipe was stolen by Sarah Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know Betty Crocker and Sara Lee; they used to hang out together with Aunt Jemima. Sure. No, that would be you know it would be good if this show not only would we explore the origin of words and you know debunk things like this piss poor going back to the Roman times, but also yeah. start our own rumors and try to promulgate them throughout the <laughs> culture that, that that Ezra Pound was the you know pound cake can't be Ezra Pound and so he stole the you know he left him penniless. <laughs> That's just the way that that's just the way that the uh, that's just the way that the pancake crumbles. So uh, no, this one is a, and it's not. I didn't look this one up. It's just one that sort of occurs to me, which is in English we say uh, or we we number items, what have you. In the we talk about having the hundreds of things, thousands of things. 
you know, there are millions of stars in the universe, billions of people on earth. There are hundreds of, uh, you know, the crimes that go unsolved, but why don't we say tens? No, you don't say tens. There, oh, there are tens of people out here today. Or, uh, or you know, why do you think that is? And I, I have, I have my answer. Okay, okay. Can I go next? Please. All right. Uh, uh, I say it all the time when I'm talking about uh, the money I have. Sure. I, mu I, I must, I must have tens of these dollars. I must have tens of tens. <laughs> mean, those are those are hundreds. Okay, uh, you're right. Okay, so let me let me think this through. Like uh, we we say, oh, there's hundreds there, there's thousands. We don't say tens very often. Now, of course, every time you say something like this, some nerd somewhere with a ponytail uh, that's pulled back too tight and uh, glasses that he thinks is hip is emailing in and being like, well, actually, people say tens all the time, and uh, you know, and blah blah blah. Well, so okay. Well, while you're thinking, I will acknowledge that, that your this nerd that you've constructed with the ponytail and the glasses, it does have a point that sometimes people do say it, but it's incongruent and, it, you know, it strikes, uh, it, it's just a little off because it, it's, it's not nearly as common. And sure, I, sure. No, I think it's a good point. A okay. All right. What do you got? It's because instead of tens, we say dozens. We have, there are dozens ah. of them. And I don't, you know, I have not looked this up. I did not do any research around this one, but it just strikes me that that is the term we okay. use to you know, a sign. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so, so, so let me just put an editorial point in here, folks. Sure. This is our first show, everybody. So it's going to be a little rough, but here's a little tip. Don't tell the people when you don't do research, just say you're making, you know, I mean, how are they going to know? Well, I just, I feel like I sound so authoritative anyway. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've been going for a while now and I want to get to the next one, which is not a, a, a expression or a word origin. It's more of uh, just a, a general question about how you operate with regard to words in going about your life. And this is specifically when you know that a word is commonly mispronounced, but you know the quote unquote correct pronunciation. Hmm. Which so I believe that makes you an ash hole. <laughs> which do you use? And I don't, maybe this isn't something you confront because you don't think about, you just go with whatever everybody else says, or I don't mean, I don't know, but this is something that I think about with certain words and I can tell you which ones they are. And there, there are certain words like, well, this is an example of one that it doesn't really apply, but generally speaking, everybody says February. And mm. I have a real issue with that. It just bugs me. It doesn't matter. I understand, but it does, it, it, it really burns my bagel. It grinds my gears, as they say. <laughs> and uh, to hear February, and it's it's you know newscasters, professionals, people who speak for a living say February, and it bugs me because there is an R there, and uh -huh. it should be, in my opinion, February. And that people say, well, we say February because it rhymes with you know sounds sort of because we have January and then February. It sounds there's an assonance there. It sounds similar, and uh, like that's fine, but. We don't call we call it May. We don't call it Maypril. You know, there it's we're we're capable of pronouncing words correctly, even though they might sound a little bit like other words they're generally sort of associated with. That's the, the, it. It that excuse it just doesn't fly with me. I'll just say that. So you know, okay. So my thought on this, but but that that's a different one because people nobody. No, no, no. You have that. to you have to give me a turn. I will. At some I point. will. But I'm just I'm just saying that. But nobody's going to take you to task for saying February. Uh, and that's not what I'm talking about. Those are two different pronunciations, but nobody's even going to notice the difference. But there are other words that the correct pronunciation people would notice and think you're dumb if they don't know. 
All right. So, so here's my, here's my, uh, my thing on that is uh, your whole thing of like, you know, everybody says February, but I like to say February and where is there, and is that a problem? And, you know, does that have a use for it? And I thought to myself, yes, it has a use because it, it let us know in junior high, uh, which guys we should take behind the school and beat up. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, you're, you're right about that. This is, you are drawing attention to yourself by correctly pronouncing words that others that are widely mispronounced. All right. So I'm going to give you you give me the example of the other ones, but I'm going to give you my example real quick. Uh, I was traveling with a woman that I might have been having. uh, uh, um, hmm. You're traveling with a woman. Got it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But let's you know, let's say this. We we would go in and out of covered bridges. Uh huh. (laughs) I'm talking about the least used euphemisms. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she and I would travel in and out of the covered bridge. What? You know, you we'd balance our tax return, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so we got to this town, and for 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 poetic license, I, I can never remember the name of the town. So since we're being honest on this podcast for once, I'm just going to say it's a town in West Virginia. In this town, there's an actual town called Friendly West Virginia, mm-hmm. right? So just imagine that we're there because we were there because they had these hot tubs out by the river. So you could, it was, you know, you could go in the river, it was cold, and then you get out, you can go in the hot tub. And, you know, you hope people aren't wearing clothes, but, you know. It sounds perfectly friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're sitting there at, like, the general store, uh, I don't know, before or after. And, uh, and you know, we've been there for a day, probably after. And uh, the guy's like, well, how do you like it here? And I'm like, ah, oh, it's a friendly town, just as advertised. It's pretty nice. And he kind of rocks back on literally on his rocking chair and has a, has a pipe and a beard. And he chuckles. And he goes, well, I can tell you're not from around here, he says, <laughs> authoritarily. Like, because we've already told him we're tourists. And we're yeah. there. So he's a real Sherlock Holmes type. <laughs> and uh, we go, no, we're not. And he goes, yeah, because this here town's called Friendly. <laughs> <laughs> And, and if you're a local, you'd know that. And then he just kind of sits back, like kind of taking his ease, letting it all sink in. Yeah. He really put one over on that city slicker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I bought a, I bought some of uh, some of their knickknacks and I shot him. <laughs> yeah. I shoved him up his nose. Uh, how friendly is this asshole? <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, hey, we should just call the show. People are dicks. We'll never run out of material. Friendly, <laughs> but uh, yes, you can get into trouble by mispronouncing words, and that—but that is funny. Friendly, not really friendly. Friendly. It was I, the, the problem with the story is I'm actually on the internet right now, and I'm looking up uh, term, looking up towns in West Virginia. There's one called Golly Golly Bridge. Maybe that was it. And he was like, "Oh, I can tell you're not from here. It's supposed to be Golly Bridge." Right. But it wasn't like that because it was more like I, I remember like the town was I thought it was like enough or something. And he's like, "No, it's Enoof, you know, or whatever the fuck it was. It was just such a common name." And it was just, he's such a dick. I'd like to go back in time. People are always like, if you go back in time and do one thing, people sure. are like, oh, I'd kill Hitler or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'd go back and shoot that guy. Sure. Yeah. Um, Hitler never corrected your pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, you know, he had his faults, but he never did that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, now, folks, if you need to complain to Malcolm. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to our first and last ever show. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I want to, uh, I, I had examples and one is when you say something is your strong suit, 
then you say it is my or it is not. Oh, that's not really my strong suit. You say it's not my what? Uh, Trump card. Right. It's it's F O R T E. And oh, my forte. My forte. That's how it's pronounced by most people. Is forte. Now forte mm-hmm. is actually uh, Italian, and it means strong in uh, music. Musically strong. That's what it uh, comes from. But we get the expression that we we use as forte from the French. Uh, meaning a strong suit, you know, your strong suit, which is the same, the definition is the same, but in French, it's pronounced fort. And in English, it is supposed to be, technically, if you look in the dictionary, the first definition or the first uh, pronunciation is the, uh, you know, without the, the E is silent, it's just fort. Hmm. But if you go yeah. around telling people, the people like, uh, oh, uh, you know, do you prepare, did you make this meal? Oh, no, cooking's not my fort. People would look at you. <laughs> <laughs> like right. you know like, like like this this guy's a jackass and yeah so but okay so this is a good point and, and for those of you who don't know malcolm which is everybody right uh i think malcolm's uh, fort is he wants to push that he wants to push that wagon up the hill he wants <laughs> to push that he wants to push that he wants to be the guy that that ro- pushes that rock up that hill yeah. and uh after he's dead people are like so what about malcolm oh he did that show he won the oscars he won awards but what he was really good is he made it everybody start saying yeah that's my fort <laughs> <laughs> well you know like but that would be you'll die you'll die a happy man what that would be the the, the difficulty is if you were a you know say a, a, a history buff and yeah. you had a certain expertise in the old west and the the the, the quote-unquote settling of the west and uh you know the battles with native americans between the the, the white settlers moving west and uh, specifically the the um you know, stations that were established and you would say, oh, well, forts are my fort. And it would make <laughs> mean it would be even worse. So Here, here's the thing. If, uh, if, uh, well, anyway. Okay, uh, here's, here's another one. Here's another yeah, one. Yeah. All uh, right. There's a, a four letter word that begins with D that generally means to have a to uh, sad faced expression generally, or, or, mm-hmm. or not an expression, that's a noun, but an adjective meaning sad faced or mm-hmm. you know, mournful, lugubrious. Yeah, and, I got it. Uh, dick, dick slap. <laughs> and uh, and the way that word is pronounced by the vast dower, dower, dower. And yeah. Whereas the quote unquote correct pronunciation is door, uh, just like the, the the you know it's similar to p o u r is pronounced poor, and so d o u r is supposed to be door. But if 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 you tell somebody, oh, you look really door today. <laughs> they're going to look at you and say, wow, pronouncing words isn't your forte. It isn't your fort. Isn't and you, your what, fort. Are you, what are you, some kind of moron? <laughs> I appreciate what you're saying here because you're right. If you, But it's about standing out. Like it's, it's legal to walk around San Francisco, not far from where you live, uh, without any clothing on. Mm-hmm. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court and you can just go do it. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, but uh, but going around pronouncing uh, things and saying, well, uh, you're looking quite door and, uh, you know, emotions aren't my fort. But, uh, you know, I've been here since February uh, and hopefully you'll get your ass kicked uh, because well, so people- that's the question. So it, now, you know, uh, unfortunately, you agreed to this whole this podcast and now, you know, yeah. the correct pronunciations of these words. So what are and again. What is what is the correct pronunciation? What does that mean? It just listen, listen, I pride, as you know, I've prided myself on one thing in my entire life, not just my adult life, my child life, is not listening to anybody no matter what. And it's worked out 
pretty well for me so far. But I'm not, but I'm not instructing you one way or the other. But now, once you know, you have to make a decision if you choose to use <laughs> words. That's the, that's the punishment that everybody listening to this podcast right now, who, yeah, yeah. who shockingly enough made it this far, they yeah. have to know that whenever they say, oh, it's not my forte, that they are speaking. Yeah, technically. Here's, here's how I think about it. I don't know if other people think that is immediately when you say that, I go, well, let's just change the rules. I mean, <laughs> well, that, so and that's, but that's actually happening is that eventually word right. you know, pronunciations change over time. And eventually the, the dictionaries, which are not really, they're not supposed to dictate how people are supposed to talk. They are just right. to reflect the way people do talk. And eventually that forte probably will be accepted and uh, dour and, and flaccid. Flaccid is another one you're supposed to say flaccid technically, uh, but nobody would, because if you do, you people are like, what are you talking about? Like flax? What? Huh? And and, flaccid sounds too uh, strong and upright. Flaccid. Right. Is, uh, the k sound. So uh, the, the s sound is much better for flaccid than uh, the k sound for flaccid. So, uh, so eventually what you're saying is eventually fucking piss poor will be something we can say on the show. Yeah. But uh, th- does that mean that you're going to, so, hey, I'm just going to say supposedly, because eventually that might be the proper you know, pronunciation? Well, I, well let, all right. Well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so here here is the thing uh, about all this. It's, it's all a fascinating subject, but I do want to give some props out to the person that I don't know about you who inspired you. But the person who inspired me along this uh, is uh, is Michael Keaton in a movie called Night Shift, mm-hmm. where he breaks down the word prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think all of our uh, all of our listener should uh, should uh, download that clip and watch it watch it fervently. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, that is. I had forgotten about that. But you know, uh, yes, a, another uh, uh, beloved character in American cinema. Of the the Michael Keaton character in Night Shift, and uh, and also uh, an inventor, inventive type, very thoughtful about you know putting the tuna, in, not just putting the tuna, the the mayonnaise in the tuna can, but feeding the mayonnaise to the tuna. That's you know that's, that's that's genius. That's inspired, right? but uh, so, and also little known fact, um, Shannon Doherty as a child it plays a, a Girl Scout in uh, an elevator scene with Henry Winkler in Night Shift. So uh, that's an, something else to look for. When you're when you're watching, well, you know, this is the 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 choice that Henry made after after Happy Days. Yeah, uh, he was tight. He felt like he was going to be typecast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as this uh, uh, cool young Jewish guy. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, young Jewish guy named Fonzarelli. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, he goes out and he tra- he gets these roles that uh, you know show him kind of as a nebbish, yeah. as a you know. And uh, I'm like, uh, you know, Fonzie, you you should probably keep jumping that shark, although. <laughs> Although night shift night shift was good for him, but the rest of his his roles, at least as far as I show, he he was he was fairly uh, milk toast there. Yes, and that probably is closer to his actual personality, which shows that he's actually something. It's a, a decent actor that he was able. Yeah, to because he, and we all believed that he was this tough guy who could beat anybody up, and and all he had to do was snap his fingers, and triplets would appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't tell you how much I actually end up in the in the ER there, spraining my thumb in uh, in junior high, going to dances and just snapping my fingers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then telling people to sit on it. 
Uh, and they broke it. I, they, I mean, people gave you know, just as a brief aside. Happy Days got sort of a hard time because later on in the show, they had you know Mork appeared. Robin Williams played Mork, and you know he yeah. a character visiting Milwaukee from outer space. It's like, where did they, wait? Isn't this show going a little off the rails? It was just this this, pro, this standard sitcom about the fifties, his family, you know, and these teenagers in the fifties growing up in Milwaukee, and other aliens. But realistically, the show, you know, Fonzie, all he had to do was you know tap the uh, the wall and the lights would go off or the jukebox would go on i mean he had the power of telekinesis or whatever you want to say that is and so there there were you know the this was going on as part of their universe these these uh you know unexplained phenomena phenomena that would not be explained by traditional science anyway so and and the fact that he had these powers these incredible powers uh, of control over electricity or whatever it is and yet he could not get an office that was not a bathroom <laughs> And I like how it uh, this all comes full circle and uh, brings us back to the phrase that we can trust and we can trace with some sort of reliability, which is jump the shark. Yeah, jump the shark. That's true. Yeah, that we we don't have to do our level best to find jump the shark. That's easy. Yeah, um, that was a that was a piss poor episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we are we are wrapping up, and I do appreciate everybody who has made it this far and uh, and and gone on this this journey with us. And it, and it has been a journey, a trek if you will. And uh, I hope this was interesting for people and fun. I had a fun time talking to you about it and uh, especially, uh, uh, you know, seeing you rack up the points. Oh, I, you know, I was worried earlier that you would not be, but you were like Will Chamberlain. I, and I feel like I, we should get a photo of you with holding up a sign that says 100, just like the famous sign of Will Chamberlain after he scored 100 points. But uh, unfortunately, this is just. An oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought that was the, the amount of women he was with during the week. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was his predicted number that he was going to score with that night. <laughs> that's, that's how many covered bridges he visited. Hello. <laughs> uh, talk about going to Friendly Town. So, uh, friendly, <laughs> friendly. Uh, all right. So thank you for listening. I, I, I appreciate, uh, Kurt, that you took the time to, to, to do this with me. And I hope we'll do lots more because this has been super fun doing uh, what I like to call words between friends. You seem to be uh, you know, you're not sold, as it were, on words between friends, but I think it, it works, and it's uh, it's an entertaining show. And it, yeah, uh, let's uh, let's not argue. Out, let's not argue in. in front of the people. Let's just call it scrumble and move on. <laughs> so that's how the pancake scrumbles. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And uh, it we will, the, we're actually just gonna the working title is gonna be called Scrabble. Okay. Yeah. That's what, yeah. <laughs> the working title is gonna be called Sue Us, Milton Bradley. <laughs> So, yeah, so there's lots for us to cover in future episodes. And I hope uh, people will tune in because we do promise, and this is our solemn promise to you, that we will do better next time. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time on Words Between Friends. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. And if you didn't enjoy it, well, why should you be the only one who suffers? Another good reason to give us five stars and a glowing review.